0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Making Work Fun podcast with Maria and Natasha, two working professionals turned life coaches.
1: I'm Maria and I have worked in economic consulting for more than 14 years.
0: And I'm Natasha. I have over a decade of work experience in human resources.
1: Through our 25 plus years of combined corporate experience, we have learned a lot about work.
0: And through our work as life coaches, we have learned how to make work fun.
1: Whether you work for someone else, run your own business, or do anything else that you call your work, this podcast will teach you how to make your work fun too.
0: Without giving into the
1: productivity hustle. So let's dive right in.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode. So you have both Maria and I here today, and we are going to talk about exploring the opportunity cost of staying in a job you hate or even staying in a job that maybe you aren't feeling satisfied in or loving or wanting to be in. And so we just want to spend a little bit of time on this episode talking about what you might be giving up by choosing to stay somewhere that Isn't maybe satisfying or fulfilling you in the ways that you might be called to or might be looking for in your in your job. And I just want to preface this by saying that this podcast episode might not be for everyone. Like, for example, there might be a time in your life where you are in a job that is maybe not something that you love or feel completely fulfilled in, but it is working for you right now and that it is someplace that is providing some sort of maybe security or comfort or whatever, and it's something that you truly need, then that is totally fine. Like you get to choose that and make that choice. We're not here to always say, to to say anything rather about what you should be doing. Like we're not here to tell you that something is better and that the right choice is whatever Maria and I talk about or suggest. So don't take that to, from this episode, right? It's just to kind of get curious about what are the prospects on the other side and whether that might be something that is worth it for you now or maybe that's something that you want to put a pin in for right now and that it's something that you know there might be a better time for you in your life to explore another avenue or another route. So, I hope I kind of preface that in a in a way that helps you kind of not take this episode as a way to maybe shame yourself or guilt yourself or should yourself into leaving the job if it's not the right time for you. You're allowed to stay in a job that you don't feel happy in for as long as you want to stay in it. If there's things that are working for you in a certain season of your life, like go hard.
1: That's totally cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, totally, that makes total sense. So it's all, as everything else in life, of course, it's all a spectrum, right? It's not. There's no such thing as the perfect job either. So it's not like we're saying if there are some things that you're unhappy with at your current job, that just means you're ignoring, like you're... In some way ignoring your desires or anything like that. It's always a spectrum. And it's like there's always going to be some things you're unhappy with, some things you're happy with. And you always get to decide like the balance of those things. Like where does it end for you? Like maybe the security, like Natasha said, or maybe there's things you really truly love about the job. And then there's some other aspects that you don't necessarily love, but the things you love outweigh it. It's always up to you to sort of figure out that balance. And there's also, of course, the situations where we definitely don't want to imply that there's situations where everyone can just like up and leave their jobs. Because of course, that's not the case, like in the way our economy is structured and our society. And for instance, like if you're in the US on a work visa, as I was for a long time, it's incredibly stressful and incredibly hard to leave a job because you literally have to like leave the country within... A few days, I think, are the rules. Um, so it's not like you can just leave and then take a few months to explore your options. No, you're like leave and then you have to uproot your whole life. So there are situations where you actually can well you could leave, but it just has much bigger ramifications than um not. So all of we want to just acknowledge all of those situations. But I guess the situation, the specific situation we wanted to talk about today is if. You are in a job where, and it's, and you could have the option to leave, um, and you just have been feeling for a long time like something's not right, I really am not enjoying this, I do feel like it's weighing on me very heavily, but who knows if I'm going to be able to find something better, or, I don't know, the perks of this, I don't think I'm going to be able to, you know, find another job, or... How do I know that if I won't go to the next job and have problems there too? So might as well stay here. You know, that type of thinking, which I hear sometimes from clients who are like, I just feel really stuck in my job. And then when we start exploring, why do you feel stuck? That those are the things that come up. They're like, Well, I don't know, is it even worth the risk? I mean, I do kind of dislike where I am, but who knows if the next thing is going to be better. And of course, that's true. Like, who knows? (laughs) It might not be better. But like, if you are in that situation of like, kind of feeling stuck, but feeling like you don't really have any good viable options, that's the, the specific scenario that we wanted to talk about today. So of course, as Natasha said, that's not where a lot of people will be. And if that's not where you are, then that's that's not what we're talking about <laughs> today. Yeah,
0: it's to- it's totally okay. Yeah. So just for maybe a little bit of context too. So part of this idea kind of came from um myself and Rob, you guys would have met him on the podcast already, um, having a little conversation. And what we were talking about was pensions. So in Canada, we actually have defined benefit pension plans, which I don't know if that's something you're familiar with, Maria, or if that's not a term. Okay. So basically what it is, is you contribute money into a pension fund throughout your working career at an employer. And then um, you are guaranteed a set income upon retirement um, from the organization. And it's, based on how many years of service that you worked at that institution and then also your age as like a, a calculation. And so you're not really taking on the risk because you've contributed that money and it's the organization that's kind of taking the risk in the sense that they are now funding your pension. And there are situations where um, quite terribly, like the pension funds have, um, you know, Uh, I can't think of the right word, but have like failed to provide enough for people because um, companies went bankrupt or whatever, but there's now legislation in Canada to kind of protect that. So those um, were kind of the historics of a little bit about pension plans. So anyways, we're talking about that because I have a little bit of a defined pension plan because I've worked for the government a little bit of my career. Rob doesn't, he has a different type of pension plan um, because he hasn't worked for the government. And so We were just talking about how nice it could, it is to have that perk for some people, but At the same time, what I saw a lot in my career was people sticking in jobs that they weren't happy with, staying with organizations they weren't happy in because of the benefit of that pension. And so you're getting that pension at like 55 or 65. So you're spending 30, 35 years working in an organization or in a position that you don't really love to now get a perk of a guaranteed income upon retirement. And so I guess I was kind of just thinking about it in the sense of like, is that even worth it? And like, you're the one who gets to decide. Like some people would say yes, some people might say no. And the things that I saw sometimes throughout my career was that people had, let's say, worked there for 20 or 15 years. And now it's like, well, they don't want to give up what they've had to leave somewhere and not have that kind of security. But I guess like the issue with... You like the issue with not getting curious about it and not deciding on purpose is that a lot of us, I think, have this like calling or this like intuition about what we want to be doing with our time and our energy and, you know, maybe like uh, an endeavor or creative pursuit that's really calling to us. And when we don't, explore like why we're staying where we are and we don't question it and we don't make a decision on purpose what happens is i think we just kind of stifle that that inner desire and we don't make it we don't show up intentionally right we're just letting like one of the perks decide for us without maybe questioning or getting curious or seeing how it might be possible to do something that like blows that perk out of the water Right? Like build a business that makes, you know, an income that provides more than that pension would provide, like, you know, things like that. And I think that's the sad part when we don't, sometimes we don't even let ourselves ask those questions because we're too afraid of what the answers might be or we don't want to face it. And I think that fear sometimes holds us back a little bit.
1: Yeah. No, that's such a good point. First of all, I, it's very sad, like someone living in the U.S., which famously has zero like social safety nets for anyone. I'm like, what is this thing where like the government takes care of people? Like how does that even, what? Because <laughs> like in the U.S., you know, if you're in a corporate job or in like a secure job, you get like a 401k or that's the pension plans or an IRA, but it's still like you you invest part of your income. And if the crash market or if the stock market crashes, you can lose all your Pension savings—that's why you've heard that term, probably of like in the crisis, in the big recession, people lost their pension. Or if you're like a contractor or work in any other setting, you might not even have a pension plan at all. So that's just that's a little aside of like how messed up. Yes, and I
0: think employers. Just as an aside too, from like my HR standpoint, is I think employers do take advantage of employment legislation in that way and try to like hire contractors or try to bend the rules so that they don't have to follow legislation so that they can. Um, just like screw over some screw over individuals and employees later. And I think this is why it's important to question these things because when you're in an employment relationship or some sort of contract relationship where you're providing a so- service to an employer and they're compensating you for that service, it's important to recognize and like be mindful of like what you're getting out of it and whether or not you're satisfied with that and whether or not there's something different that you want, or like just don't accept like that very first layer of it. Cause I think so many people don't see their employment as an employment relationship. They think that the employer is the one that is solely responsible for them. And so much like being taken advantage of for lack of a better word really happens when that is, um, when that is the case, and I've seen it myself as a contractor, I've seen it myself in HR, working in in, in, organi- in many different types of organizations, and I think part of like my own passion for why this topic of just like making work fun is like so important to me is just my career throughout HR and just seeing people who spend forty plus hours a week just not feeling satisfied or not feeling that they can do what it is that they want to do and actually make a satisfactory living and, you know, make a life for themselves doing what they want.
1: Mm, Yeah, totally. And like opportunity, cost, that's why we use this in the, this episode's title, like opportunity cost is exactly that. It's like the cost of what you're giving up by Mm -hmm. making a particular decision. And there's always an opportunity cost to everything you do, like, I don't know. You go in the simple example that we learn in like Econ one hundred and one. Like you go to a coffee shop and you buy the latte, and then your opportunity cost is like the cappuccino that you didn't buy. Like mm-hmm. it's the thing that you didn't do because you chose something else. So that's what we're talking about here. Is like what is the co- what is it costing you to keep staying at that job where you feel stuck or you feel unhappy? Um, just thinking about those things, and I think a lot of people are scared to think about this for a few reasons number one it's like i'm gonna throw another econ term in the mix is like a sunk cost accounting.
0: yes oh i love this okay yeah. you're speaking my language I
1: love <laughs> like economist economist corner here uh, <laughs> yeah like the, the concept of a sunk cost is right like you've already invested a lot whether it's time or money and then you make future decisions based on what you've already invested even if like it doesn't make sense to be making decisions based on that. So another example is like if you've been waiting in line for like 30 minutes and you have no idea when your turn is going to be and you have to decide like do you want to leave or do you want to stay – Sometimes people are like, well, I've already waited half an hour, might as well stay, but that might be a terrible decision because you might have like another six hours ahead of you that you don't know about. And if you leave next time, it might be just 10 minutes, you know, like, so that those 30 minutes shouldn't be what's driving your decision. You kind of have to take a look at how many people are actually in front of you, how fast are you going? So a lot of people are like, I've already invested 10 years in this job or however many years and energy. So then it just makes sense to stick it out. But again. The, the reason we call it a sunk cost is you need to kind of take this out of the equation, take whatever already happened out of the equation and then make a decision based. And of course, like it's not as straightforward as this, because sometimes there are factors like you've built capital within the company and you've built relationships. So it's not always as simple as that. But I guess don't let that be the only decision or the only reason you're making it.
0: Exactly, right? You like want to actually question all the factors and whether or not they're actually reliable factors that you want to be using in making your decision. And Kay, while you were talking, Maria, I was actually thinking about, like we're talking mostly just right now about employees. This actually is um useful for contractors or for um business owners and entrepreneurs as well you can make a choice to do something different and that choice might be to leave your business behind and go become an employee if that's what you want like it doesn't it it can be anyone in whatever position that you're in exploring other options and deciding okay that's what i chose to do in the past but from this moment to the future That this is what I want to do. And then you know what? The future happens, you make a change, and then you can reevaluate it again. It's not like forever, it's never forever. So I think just like reminding ourselves that it's not, this doesn't just apply to employees, business owners, contractors can also change their minds and go. And that's, it's not a failure, it's nothing, it's nothing to do with you. And your capabilities, your competencies, it's you making an intentional choice without considering the sunk cost, right? Like Maria said, without using that as a driving force behind the decision. It's letting yourself use your intuition and what might be calling you in terms of your desires and your interests and what you want to explore.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it can be really scary to actually tap into those interests and like tap into what you actually want. And I know that from personal experience. Like for the longest time, it was very scary for me to like ask myself, "Is there something else I want to be doing? Is there something else I want to be exploring?" This when I was like, kind of had a hunch that I wanted to do coaching, but I couldn't quite verbalize it yet, and I was like just terrified to admit it to myself because I thought the second I admitted to myself, I need to like. Just completely uproot my life and go do a bunch of things. <laughs> like, so it was really scary because I was like, well, now that I've admitted it, like, then I'm being hypocritical if I don't go do something about it. And that's just so much pressure. And of course, it's like very scary to admit that. So, one thing I want to like recommend from personal experiences tap into that desire and know that you're not going to have to approve your life once you acknowledge that desire. You might not even have to do anything. Like you might just tap into that desire. And as Natasha said, decide that, right now is not the time I want to act on this, but maybe at some point in the future, like just, it's just so much, you're going to get to know yourself better is the worst case scenario, right? Like there's nothing scary about that. Or there's also options where you can do things on the margins. Like you can just adjust it or adjust your life a little bit. Like maybe start doing the new thing for like an hour a week or something. Like you don't have to just quit your job, just move to another city. No drastic moves are required unless of course you want to
0: Yeah. I think sometimes we romanticize the idea of quitting your job, having $5 in your bank account, and then boom, building a billion-dollar business from nothing. Like, cool. Some people do that. That's for them. It doesn't have to be that way for you. You can do something on the side while you're working full-time or while you're choosing to work part-time and do so. Like it, it doesn't have to just be um from zero to hero as your story, like you will have your own hardships and your own challenges. And it doesn't have to be at the cost of your own like emotional safety in that moment and your own security. It's okay to get a paycheck coming in if that's what you want while you're pursuing something else. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. There's so much in between. Like Maria said, it's a spectrum. Um, And the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about, which you brought up Maria, which is that the fear that comes with facing our desires or even just like examining them and looking at them. And I think sometimes our first instinct is to run away from the fear or hide it or push it down. But I want to offer that there's also the option to befriend the fear, to like look at it, to to meet it with compassion and see it for what it is. And you can just carry the fear with you along the way. It doesn't have to be fearless. It doesn't have to be shoved down before you can start something new. It's like, what would it be like if you actually found a way to maybe create a relationship with that fear inside you in order to use that to help you make the change that you're seeking? I always think of the Rumi poem. um, Oh, no, now I can't remember. Of course. (laughs) I want to see if I can Google it really quickly. Oh, I think it's called Guest House. There we go. Um, Where he talks about um, inviting your emotions in for tea. And even if they like shatter your whole house, just like welcoming welcoming them in as a friend. And so how can we do that with fear in this case, right? Instead of just needing it to disappear before we can do what we want.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think that's another big misconception that's stopping people is like, well, if it was my true passion... I would just feel amazing about it and there would be no fear. No, no. (laughs) If anything, there will be probably more fear if it's your true passion. (laughs) Like if you'll be really, really terrified. And so I really hate this term fearless and how it's used as a compliment. And I'm like, I don't even know what that, fucking means like someone who has no fear ever like i don't understand how that's a compliment (laughs) that just means like someone who's doing things that are never scary to them i don't find that particularly you know (laughs) impressive um yeah just like natasha said lean into that fear actually and just take it as a sign that it might be us it might actually be pointing towards something that you truly want as opposed to the opposite and again don't like you don't ever have to do anything. So you don't like need to judge yourself for having the fear or for like not acting on your desires immediately. I think it just is, this is all an exercise of like exploring yourself and getting to know yourself a little bit better. And just having that awareness and you don't have to do anything with it immediately or even for a long time, you can just sit with it. But like having that awareness, I find a lot of utility in that.
0: Of course, it helps you, like we talked about already, it helps you get to know yourself a lot better and who you are. And that's like the point, right? The point isn't the, desti- isn't the destination. I was going to say the point isn't the journey, <laughs> of course. <laughs> the point is, isn't the destination. It's that journey. And along the way, how you evolve and how you get to know yourself and how you treat yourself and how you talk to yourself, like evolving your relationship with yourself is really the point. And I think sometimes when we're talking about the fear, it's like when we acknowledge it, it's like letting it be there and also like letting yourself explore why you're afraid. Mm. So for example, like for me, an example would be like, I'm afraid of what other people might think of me. And then you know what? That's okay to just like sit with that sentence and being like, I don't want to do this thing right now because I'm afraid of what other people will think. And yeah. it's like, that, that's not a bad choice. Like I think sometimes in our society, we shame that and we make that mean like, Oh, something's wrong with you. You're not willing to push through. You're not hustling. You're not grinding. You're not willing to do anything to face your dream, to, to meet your dreams. When in reality, it's just like connecting with your own humanity, connecting yeah. with your own inner sense of like, wanting to belong and wanting to feel accepted and wanting to be part of the group at least for me that's something that feels really vulnerable for me so it's like i'm afraid of what other people will think of me and that's okay and i don't have to do that thing right now because this fear is valid it's okay i don't feel safe enough to move forward on that and and like something i think really transformative happens when we are honest with ourselves mm-hmm. it's like right it's a, and being like oh no no that won't work out i can't do that it's like well no i'm afraid that some people might judge me it's like okay well that's that's what i'm actually afraid of and now i know honestly what it is and that's okay and it doesn't mean i have to like power through you can just meet yourself where that is because i think oftentimes at least what i see in my clients and my own inner desire is to just be like okay now i have to fix that but exactly. it's like no we can just let that be the answer and let that like live and just sit and you know c- contemplate that and just know that part
1: yeah, there's so much power in being vulnerable with yourself and with your like feelings and fears. Because a lot of the time, yeah, the instinct is. Um, I'm gonna, if you're like admitting that, for instance, in your example, which was a big fear of mine as well when I was starting my coaching business, was what are people gonna say? And what are people gonna think? The instinct is there's so much shame around even just saying that out loud of like, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of rhetoric of just don't care what others think, just be yourself. I'm like. That makes no sense. Everyone cares what others think. And just Mm -hmm. telling people that they shouldn't or they should be ashamed of caring is like very gaslighting. And it's very sort of feels like an attack. You're like, Okay, but like I do care, but I'm then I'm told it's <laughs> shameful to care. So now what?
0: <laughs> you're like in a tug of war, right? It just yeah, feels exactly. so like there isn't an answer because you're like, okay, I guess I could pretend that I don't care, but secretly I do care on the inside. So now I'm just like, can't be honest, right? It just feels like it's an inauthentic conversation.
1: Exactly. I, there's so much more utility. This is where you get into those situations where people are like, well, I don't care. Well, I'm like, you clearly do care. <laughs> and why not just admit it? There's no shame in caring. We're social creatures. Of course, of course, we care about what others think. And the way like, I teach people about this is there's nothing first of all nothing shameful in caring and second of all it just gives you a lot of information about yourself let's dig into why you care what is like the insecurity and the wound underneath that you have learned along the way like someone has taught you something that you're scared is going to be confirmed by other people's opinions there's a lot of utility in like opening that up looking at it and healing from that as opposed to just shoving it aside and being like i don't care (laughs) you know
0: yeah and just like forcing yourself through to power through. Exactly. The other example I just wanted to share um, that I think might be relevant for people, it's um, for me, I think what kind of holds me back sometimes is this idea that what I have now is as good as it gets. Mm. So I'm afraid that if I pursue something, it's not going to be any better, or I'm not going to like it as much, or it's not going to work out. And For me, that isn't necessarily fear, like the first layer might be fear, but underneath it is actually like sadness and hurt because it's almost like a self-rejection. Like you're not or I'm not like trusting my own skills and my own abilities and my own problem solving, my own way of figuring things out, and I'm dismissing that part of myself Telling myself that I can't do it. And that, like, that, that hurts. It's a really painful thing to acknowledge and to look at in your relationship with yourself. So I think that a lot of people who are maybe staying in situations that they could leave, they just don't want to because they have something working really well in that situation. I think for a lot of you, it might be like, I don't know if I can figure it out. I don't know if I can do it. I'm not going to make it better. I'm not going to make it following my dreams. And that is is sad, right? It just feels sad for a lot of us. And so just acknowledging and owning that doesn't mean you have to change anything. You can just be with that. But just letting yourself feel that pain and that hurt, I think will help you like process that maybe deeper layer of it.
1: Yeah, totally. I think just to like, recap of this episode it's like exploring that's why we called it exploring the opportunity cost it's just like getting to know yourself more getting to know your desires is going to point you to like all of these fears and sadness and feelings and that gives you like a deeper chance to be there for yourself to heal from that of course you can get help with all of that from a coach or a therapist or friends or anyone really um But it's just really about getting to know yourself more and you don't have to make any drastic moves. You don't even have to act on anything quite yet. Or you can start exploring how to act on things, but like slowly and at your own pace. You can just be like, here are the things I do like about this job. Are, is there any way I can keep those or I can like find another job that has those and also has some of the things like, like you can just explore things very slowly and <laughs> and take your time. So there's nothing about this is like, you need to find your passion and go act on it immediately. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's no rush with any of it. No. And I think like just to tack on a little bit to what Maria said is like, I think sometimes the opportunity cost of an unwillingness to explore is a loss of connection to yourself. It's like that loss of uh, a chance to get to know yourself better and to build that relationship, that trust with who you are. And so that's some, like, sure, there's other perks, there's like maybe monetary perks, time perks, whatever, flexibility perks. But in reality, like, I think this boils down to like you having that opportunity to understand who you are as a human in your journey a little bit better.
1: Yeah because and this like now I have all these thoughts of a topic we should do an episode about is like think about how vulnerability deepens your relationships with other people I've been thinking a lot about that recently because I've been doing a lot of you know work on myself and with my therapist but like being showing up in friendships as being vulnerable just deepens those relationships it can be scary but it actually makes them like sometimes when you just tell your friends like like I told you today before the podcast like here's how I'm feeling this week like here's what's happening in my life it can be scary but it like deepens those relationships it's the same with the relationship you have with yourself like if you're kind of trying to hide things from yourself. Think about like a friend who's trying to hide things from you in their life. You can still be friends, but it's not going to be that deep connection. If you're like, I don't even know what's happening with you. Like, how can I be there for you? Same thing with you and yourself. Like if you're trying to hide things from yourself, you can't deepen that relationship.
0: Yeah, I love that. That is such a good... I think, bridge into the whole point of all of this, right? It's like, I think we should talk a little bit about vulnerability on another episode. So I think that is a really juicy topic that comes up for us when we're talking about work and pursuing things that bring us joy and things that like fuel our soul and our like, I don't know, our inner being of just like, being connected with with ourselves and what we're doing on this planet and with our time and our energy. So yeah, I'm down. I think that'd be a really good topic.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us this week. And we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks.
0: All right. Take care.
1: Hey, everyone. It's Maria. I am a burnout coach for professional women and I work with high achieving perfectionists who want to heal burnout so that they can take a step back and enjoy their lives without sacrificing their success. To work with me one-on-one, you can go to my website, which is restovergrind.com and book a free consult call. You can also follow me on Instagram at rest underscore over underscore grind or on LinkedIn under restovergrind, LLC.
0: Hey everyone, Natasha here. I'm a money mindset coach. I work with women who wanna shift their beliefs around money and wealth so they can finally leave the drama behind and focus on actually doing the work they love to do. I work with two different types of clients. Employees who wanna make more money at work or entrepreneurs who wanna earn more in their business. And I teach people how to love the process of earning and creating more because it really is possible for money to be easy and fun. So let me show you how. You can find me on my website at natashatocesti.com or on Instagram at natashatocesti. We'll see you there.